Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Joined now here on the flagship podcast interview by Chuck Carlton of the Dallas Morning News. If you follow the Big 12, you've been following Chuck Carlton because the guy is everywhere. He does it all. In fact, he is talking to us from Indianapolis right now where he watched, um, well, he's watching Baylor continue in the tournament and he's watching uh, one Big 12 team after another disappear from uh, the Big 12 tournament. But Texas was the only Big 12 team to disappear in the first round, Chuck. Uh, welcome to the flagship podcast. How are you doing? Oh, just just fine here. I mean, uh, you know, already had one giant uh, breaded pork tenderloin sandwich, which seems to be the staple in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know. Have you been to St. Elmo's? Uh, no, but I'm only three blocks away, so I have a feeling that's going to be on my agenda. And uh, did did cover a game at uh, or several games actually yesterday at Hinkle Fieldhouse, but nobody measured, uh, you know, from the rim down to the court to make sure it was ten feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, St. Elmo's, they've got that uh, shrimp cocktail, the cocktail sauce. If you don't breathe just right, you will be in tears. It is so. Uh, so spicy, full of horseradish. But um, Chuck, let's let's start with the with the Texas Longhorns before we move on. Um, you know, this um, they win the Big Twelve tournament a week ago. They beat Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, two great wins. Um, they did not have to face Kansas because Kansas uh, had COVID issues, but they win their first Big Twelve tournament. And looks like they're peaking at the right time. They got a veteran team, three veteran guards, maybe the most athletic front court in the country. And then, and then what happened against Abilene Christian? 23 turnovers. I mean, I didn't even recognize that team. How about you? No, no, not at all. And it, it's, it's weird. And you've covered the tournament like I have. And a lot of times when you get into that situation where you have a 314 or something similar in terms of seeding and you have the potential upset start, you know, maybe looking like a possibility in the second half, you realize that, hey, the better team wins, what, 80, 90 percent of the time in these situations that they find a way, they've got the better players, 
They've been in these situations against high-level competition. They they just take care of business in this, and, and the clock strikes midnight on Cinderella. There was no point in that second half that I'm not thinking Texas is going to win this. It was always just like it was like the the, the classic slow motion train wreck sort of situation where you're seeing this and seeing this, and, and all of a sudden you start thinking back to you know, uh, Jefferson uh, for Northern Iowa throwing it in from half court, you know, and you're thinking about the blown 14-point lead against Nevada and and Eric Musselman in in that NCAA tournament game. And the thing about it is both those mid-majors, with all due respect to Abilene Christian, it's a great story, and and they've done a great job with that program. But both of those were were much better mid-majors than what – Abilene Christian is, and more so, this was Shaka's best team. I mean, um, even that first year where he had a lot of holdovers from the Rick Barnes era, Um, Ken Ridley was coming off an injury uh, before the NCAA tournament wasn't 100%. Actually, Nevada was a higher seed than Texas that year. You know, Texas kind of squeaked into the tournament. Yeah. But this was the year everybody was waiting for. There were no excuses, uh, you know, year for Shaka, where, you know, people talk about how you need the talented, experienced guards to win in the tournament. You look at Baylor and what Baylor's doing with that guard court. They don't have a great front court, seriously. But, you know, Mark Vidal does his thing. But in terms of getting, you know, a whole lot of offense out of that front court, it just isn't happening. But you look – at Texas, they they had the guys, plus they had the guys up front. They've got, you know, what, two or three guys who are, who are at least going to play a couple seasons in the NBA, you know, the, you know, future pros. That, that's supposedly the formula for having a long run in the NCAA tournament is to have those future pros. And, and it, if it sounds like I'm beating up on Shaka, I'm really not. I mean, he's, you know, if, if, if you look at even his harshest critics, they'll acknowledge – Good dude, never had a harsh exchange with him over six years. I think you would probably say the same thing, but you, you just kind of wonder now after what happened, after losing the way they did, and and not – I kept waiting for the adjustments or some sort of change in the lineup or something in the second half to jumpstart this team, and it never occurred. Yeah, it uh... – it really was uh, stunning, um, to say the least. And, you know, um, you look at this situation now, uh, Chuck, and, you know, I think Shaka was looking for a contract extension coming off of the season that they'd had, especially after winning the Big 12 tournament. Now, uh, everything's up in the air. Yeah, even Jimmy Sexton is going to have a hard time selling that contract extension, I have a feeling, at this point. Uh, at, at the same time, do you want to have Shaka going into the, you know, with just two years left on the contract, going into that situation, all the speculation and in what I assume will be a rebuilding year? And, and I guess the other question that comes up is, does Shaka want to stay at Texas? I mean, what if... You know, we, we've heard all kinds of things. He's still a guy who I think a lot of people look at and say, hey, maybe Texas isn't the right situation, but at 
fill in the blank school. He could do it here. It's the 10 year anniversary of uh, the VCU run to the final four. People still remember that, you know, could a school Marquette comes to mind, you know, they've got an opening right now. Wisconsin native, um, you know, he could fit in at a Jesuit school, you would think. Um, in fact, he, before the upset, uh, you know, I was actually reading speculation that if Indiana couldn't, uh, you know, connect with Chris Beard or Scott Drew, what about Shaka Smart? Now, I, I don't think that's going to happen now. That would have given me uh, a hard sell at the press conference. And and all of a sudden, people are talking about Porter Mosier, the Loyola coach now being a hot property. But, uh, yeah, this is and, – and the thing about it is it's just the on-the-field stuff. I mean, I don't think anybody personally has a problem with Shaka there. And he seems popular with his players. So, um, it's a you know, you're two years out for the new arena. So, this is an interesting uh, decision for Chris Del County and the, and the Texas hierarchy. Yeah, it it uh, it really is. What um, what what's missing, Chuck? When you look at at Shaka's uh, teams, their performances, why haven't they maxed out on their potential? You know, and, and maybe I'm. This is a goofy uh, parallel, so feel free to steer me back on course. But remember, one of the criticisms of Tom Herman was that he was always playing the one score games yeah. and you had to get down to a coin flip situation. It seems like, especially in the tournament, for whatever reason, Texas didn't play the brand of basketball. I mean, that was nowhere close to the Texas team that took care of Kansas this year, man. Um, Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That seems like. Remember that? That, that? That's a, you know, <laughs> They went to Lawrence and won by 25 on the day that Steve Sarkeesian was hired as a football coach. And don't bet against uh, Bill Self winding up in this week 16 hour of the Elite Eight again. The athletic department burning down around around him for crying out. (laughs) (laughs) On the play at his door. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, hey, maybe we can get a Will Wade Bill Self uh, meeting sometime, you know, in the Final Four. No, that. but getting back on on track, yeah, it, it, it doesn't – it seems like Texas plays tight, Shaka coaches tight in these situations. Um, like I said, that, that loss to Nevada, Nevada was a, a really solid team, and I think they showed that in the tournament. But, but, but still, that was a team where you had Mo Bamba back in the lineup. Um, you know, again – Better talent, certainly better talent against Northern Ireland. Definitely better talent. Again, I'm not dissing Abilene Christian, you know, because they got the job done. But but they uh, were smaller. They were they, they didn't have right. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have. That was a matchup that just looked great for Texas. They shot 29.9 percent for the game. For the game. <laughs> That's never ever happened before in the NCAA, you know, the stat, you know, the ESPN stat people went back and looked it up and it was like, wow, you know, I, I mean, some of those possessions were just ugly and you're going, why is it Texas pushing the ball? Well, you, you know that there's going to be a potential bad shot or whatever. I know they're, you know, they had this tenacious defense and that sort of thing, but eventually 
you can crack defense, especially if you have, you know, superior talent. I mean, the, I mean, they had no answer, you know, just from a physical standpoint for Jericho Sims inside. And he gets one shot in the second half. These sorts of things that leave not only us, but fans going, you know, the, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a whiz on, you know, you know, the NBA, you know, video game to be there going, uh, yeah, what about the, you know, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it's hard to explain why these things happen. I mean, sometimes it's just goofy. You know, Northern Iowa, kid throws it in from half court. Yeah, things happen like that in the tournament. Or the Texas Tech game yesterday that I covered where an 80% free throw shooter misses a one-on-one that could have given them the lead. They missed two layups that could have either given them the lead or tied the game in the final 30 seconds. Okay, got it. You know, weird things happen. But this was an entire, you know, systematic breakdown. Right, right. Well, speaking of Texas Tech and Chris Beard, um, you know, speculation is Chris Beard will be pursued by Indiana. What about Chris Beard being pursued by Texas? I mean, I get that Chris Beard uh, got a raise last year. He's making $4.75 million and I think worth every penny because Texas Tech, I've always said, you're a basketball school if you have the right coach. And Texas Tech is a basketball school because they have the right coach. He's a UT grad. I get that he's coached everywhere in Texas and, um, you know, has, heck, he coached Abilene Christian. But uh, what about Chris Beard to Texas? That's that's interesting. And, again, I've been, you know, I'm even hesitant to toss this out, but I've been – I don't actually have his contract in hand. I'm trying to get that. But I've been told – I was told at the time when he signed the contract – that um, there was a significant buyout. And according to the USA Today database, it's 15 million. But I was told that it's even higher for if he leaves for one particular school. (laughs) (laughs) The University of Texas. uh, Kirby Hocup made sure that if Chris Beard did leave, that that Chris Del Conte would be paying a very high price. So they might be paying... They might be paying the same buyout they paid for Tom Herman. Yes. Uh, so, uh, again, that may just be talk, but I, as I, I think that's probably true. That's, you know, strikes me as very plausible. But that, that being said, Chris Bray is a heck of a coach, and he gets job done. You just wonder about fit. And, yes, he's a Texas grad. You know, he knows Tom Penders, knows Rick Barnes, all the you – know, Chris Baird knows everybody, but you look at how he's done it at tech. And for the most part, yes, the recruiting's improved, but he hasn't brought in the, the four or five star guys that people expect at Texas. You know, I mean, the team that went to the final four and lost to Virginia championship game, you know, transferred. Yeah. uh, Grad transfer from St. John's who was, who was a nice player there, but nobody was expecting him to do what he did. Matt Mooney was a mid-major scorer at South Dakota, but again, you're kind of going, you know, bringing those guys and say, these are our missing pieces at Texas. Are people going to get excited? Are people going to say, how come you aren't 
bringing in the the best and brightest here. What about and I, again, he wins. He's smart. He has a system, but it's the old Bob Knight motion offense, which isn't the most exciting sometimes. They're not a run and gun team, and they grind it out on defense, and they grind it out with effort. That was one of the big things is that Arkansas, for long stretches, was beating Tech at its own game yeah. today in the second half. You'll get into the 50-50 ball and, and drawing the baseline charges. But um, and, he, and he's kind of a folksy guy. He'll go off on tangents. So I think the media – I think people will like him at first. He's going to have to – He's going to have to win. And remember, right now, he's kind of, you know, God King of Lubbock, for crying out loud. You know, they love their basketball over there. You know, he's called this his dream job. He came back. He's taken them where, I mean, you could make the case that if Tech had won the NCAA title two years ago, that might have been the most improbable national champion since Texas Western, not because of the quality of that team. You know, they've been to the Elite Eight the year before, but given historically what Tech had done in the tournament, nothing against Bob Knight or Gerald Myers or anything, they'd never been beyond the Sweet 16 until he got in there. You know, it's not like Villanova where you can go back and say, hey, they once played UCLA in the finals, or you go back at and went under, uh, you know, Raleigh Massimino in one of the greatest games ever. You know, it's like you can look at all these teams that were champions, you know, and say that there was a rich basketball heritage. They were great fans of Tech, but there wasn't that heritage, and somehow he had turned that around in a real short time. Now, again, do you do you make the play for him? Or I'll toss a name out to you. I don't think this happens, but if you're Texas and you're going to spend the money and you're super serious, how much money do you put on the table for Mark Few? Yeah. You really want to win. Mark Few's going to win. Right. <laughs> He's going to get guys to come here. You look at that Gonzaga roster, watching them against Norfolk State was like watching an NBA All-Star game. They're throwing passes off the backboard to guys for dunks. I mean, yeah. this is, uh, and and that's getting guys to Spokane, Washington, not to Austin, Texas. Uh, right. I, I'm, I'm just saying, that, but beyond that, is there, you look at some of the names for the Indiana job. I'm Brad Stevens is going to come here leave the NBA who's out there and you know outside of Chris Beard that looks like maybe would be a top candidate who else is a guy that really you know sets the alarm bells ringing really guarantees you a rocking sold out crowd for that first home game in the new barn in two years yeah Uh, and and again you follow this just like I do and I was trying to think of this this morning, even before you, you hit me up to come on here. I mean, who, who do you like? Well, I liked Billy Donovan, um, but I, you know, I just, I'm with you. I mean, I think you have to get someone proven because you're, you're opening that building um, in a little, well, a year from now. And there's got to be excitement. There's got to be. Uh, a splash. So it, that eliminates a lot of the, the up and comers. And, and I think, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, Chris Del Conte kind of grew up in the PAC 12. He's 
he's very familiar with the West coast guys. And, and so, you know, when you think along those lines, I mean, Musselman would kind of make sense, but he just got to Arkansas. Right. So. I, I, I mean, Dana Altman is a really good coach at Oregon, but is Dana Altman going to do anything for you? I mean, I, I remember when he was coaching Juco ball in Missouri and I was working at a paper in Illinois and people were saying, watch this guy, but that was, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and, and he's done an, he's done a fine job, but like, and some of the guys in the PAC 12 are kind of toxic for Texas from an NCAA standpoint right, right now. Right. So, um, right. Yeah. I, again, I agree with you that, yeah, Dale County's likely to hedge. Maybe look West, uh, maybe look to, maybe you look to the pros for somebody, but uh, th- that's why I think complicates the Shaka situation. It's not just making the decision on him, but making the decision on who's available. And, yeah. and clearly they had already zeroed in on Steve Sarkeesian long before they cut ties with Tom Herman. You know, that was, that was as we found out, um, you know, pretty much a done deal for, for weeks, you know, before and, and, and that happened. I don't see that happening right now. I don't yeah. see, you know, yeah. and I, wrong maybe maybe you've got jay hartzell and chris del connie and in the regions all having you know centered on a candidate but hey a few days ago we're talking contract extension for sure right right this is this is an incredible uh turn of events here uh talking to chuck carlton we'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast interview uh and come right back with chuck carlton and talk some Texas spring football. Speaking of Steve Sarkeesian. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back now with Chuck Carlton of the Dallas Morning News. Kind enough to take some time uh, from his home away from home in Indianapolis covering all the NCAA basketball tournament. Um, Chuck, want to get your thoughts on Texas spring football starting on Tuesday, the 23rd, Steve Sarkeesian uh, getting ready to uh, bring his brand of football to DKR 
Uh, what stands out to you? What are a couple of storylines that you're most interested in? I think the first thing is what Steve Sarkeesian isn't. And, and I, I see a communicator. I don't see, uh, I, I mean, I think Tom Herman, and, and again, feel free to correct me on this. You, you know, we, we, we all covered that era, but I think he came in with the, you know, the Patrick Swayze Roadhouse, my way or the highway sort of philosophy when he came in here. Yeah. And I'm not saying Steve Sarkeesian's a, a pushover, but I think he's more of a communicator at this point. I mean, yeah, he learned under Saban and Saban, you know, had, had his ironclad set of rules, but he also learned under Pete Carroll and Pete Carroll's kind of a, a player's coach and a newer type communicator. And so it's, it's going to be interesting just how, I guess, building the culture, winning guys over and, and, and I'm going to be captain obvious here, but you know, hey, Steve Sarkeesian's running the offense. He's the quarterback whisperer. Um, Sam Ellinger is no longer there. What's what's going to happen in the quarterback situation? When you have um, and Casey Thompson and Hudson Carr, and, it, and it's amazing, you know, everybody was cringing looking at that position before the Alamo Bowl and, and thinking this could be a rebuilding year. And I'm not saying this is a – a championship contender, but all of a sudden one half of Casey Thompson there and it didn't look like a fluke either. It, it, it looked like he knew what he was doing and he is putting the ball exactly where it has to be. I mean, you know, he's throwing four touchdown passes in less than a half. And, and yeah, Colorado was a beat up team that was kind of ready to pack it in at that point. But still you, you look at that and going, this guy looks like he's ready for prime time. And I know you talked to his dad and, and there was some um, discussion that, you know, he had been looking like that in practice, you know, that maybe he was, had been ready all this time. And then, you know, people like the kind of ball that had some card throws and he, you know, he's an Austin kid and that's, you know, always comes with its own measure of hype when you're coming to the University of Texas. Uh, and, and it will be both the decision and how Steve Sarkeesian manages that competition. I don't expect anybody to win it this spring. I expect um, maybe this to go up to game week against uh, Louisiana Lafayette which is no pushover by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I think we won't know a starter. And I mean, there may be some indications of who the starter is. And it will also be with the way things are right now with the, with the NCAA transfer portal uh, and only one guy being able to get on the field, whoever doesn't win that, you have to think is going to take a long, hard look at the portal. And then who, who, what's the backup situation like at that point? So though, those are all factors that I think go, go into it. Um, clearly, Steve Sarkeesian knows his way around the offense. Um, I, I'm interested to see what Kwiatkowski does with the defense. I mean, he, he was Mike Leach's nemesis out in the Pac-12, for crying out loud. He even took some shots at, uh, at him a couple years ago after um, Washington beat Washington State and, you know, their big rivalry game. I mean, um, you know, described as an evil genius of the of defense coordinators. So, yeah, I, I, you know, is 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 the talent there for him to do what he wants to do? Uh, 
you know, I, I think there is a, I wouldn't say full-fledged brimming excitement, but a very cautious optimism that maybe for the first time in, in a while, Texas is on the, maybe since the Sugar Bowl win, that Texas is on the right track now. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think there's a high level of excitement and anticipation and you have to like what Steve Sarkeesian's done with his staff and with the recruiting. And, and so now we start to, to see what he puts together on the field and April 24th, the, the spring game will, will give us a, a glimpse of that. What would be your biggest concern uh, outside of quarterback for this team? You know, part of it is just the, uh, the, the connecting and the buy-in. And I, I don't want to overstate this, but um, I mean, right now it seems like the, the, there, there was sort of a compromise. I don't even know if that's the right word to reach it. An understanding reach regarding the eyes of Texas from the second half of last season and, and how that plays out. But that's still something that could come to the surface very quickly. Um, clearly, Steve Sarkeesian's been told, yes, that is a school, school song. That's the way we're going to treat it. That's kind of the administration's line in the sand to use a, you know, a, a line from Texas history. But at the same time, got a lot of players who are very uncomfortable with that. So, um, and, and I think this will test the Sarkeesian's communication skills and the leadership uh, here. Um, I mean, you, you, and the, and the other thing, again, you keep coming back to is, you know, you, you, I think the defensive line was actually improved last year under Chris Ash. It was kind of makeshift at times because of injuries and other things, but I think Chris Ash did a decent job. I still think, Offensive line, I'm trying to think of, you know, I know Texas was trying to sell the offensive line a couple of years ago for the Joe Moore Award, and then the Oklahoma game came along. Um, yeah. This hasn't been, I mean, what, you've got to go back to vintage Mac Brown to find a dominant Texas offensive line? Am I, am I missing some great group over the last, nope. you know. Probably 06. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know, the, 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 what you expect Texas to have with really talented, skilled, big guys who are just going to move you out of the way. And, and it's amazing. Look how many great offensive lines in that time Texas A&M has had. Right, right. <laughs> Not just this past year, but remember when they had Jokel and Matthews and they had, what, four – high NFL draft picks playing at the same time on that offensive line, you know, you know um, early in the Sumlin era. I mean, all those sorts of things. O Oklahoma, what they do every year. I mean, uh, to, to really make this offense, and you look what, I mean, uh, Sarkeesian knows it well. And, and that's why you have, I think, Flood as offensive coordinator after building that offensive line at Alabama. He knows it. So, you know, but, but you need to have the bodies in there and yeah. you need to have the guys in the weight room. And um, I, I mean, what's the biggest concern for you, Chip? I, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, 
I think the the offensive line, you have to see where where they are in terms of how they fit with what Flood and Sarkeesian uh, want to do. And then I think linebacker who who replaces Joseph Osai. Um, you know, at that outside linebacker position um, with, you know, Marquez Bimich going into the portal, that was a bit of a surprise. And, you know, he's a guy who got up to 272 for the Todd Orlando defense and then opted out last year, dropped the weight, looked like he was, you know, back, he was back around 255 and he was explosive coming out of Brenham, thought he might, you know, be a guy who could compete or at least provide depth at that position or, or one of the defensive end positions. But I'm, I'm curious to see how they, how they replace Osai. And then the depth that linebacker, I think is, is a bit of a question. I think there's some good young talent in the secondary that's coming on. Hasn't totally gotten to show what it can do guys like, you know, Keaton Crawford and, and Jaron Thompson, but um, you know, they do have, Deshaun Jamison, uh, they lost Jalen Green, but they have Josh Thompson. So, um, you know, I think that's that's what those are probably the the list of, you know, I'm more of a Casey Thompson guy than most. I mean, I think a lot of people, like you said, they love the hype on card, everything they've heard. And I'm I just know that Casey Thompson's been told you're not the guy for three straight years and he's still there and he's got a chip on his shoulder, the size of Mount Everest. And he can't wait to show that he is the guy, you know? And I think he, he did that against Colorado and, um, you know, he was told you're not better than Cam rising. You're not better than Sam Ellinger. And, and now he's being told you're not better than Hudson card. So, and all he did last year was complete 71% of his passes and score on what 12 of, the seven. No, I think he scored on six of nine drives that he had. Maybe he scored on all five in the Alamo bowl, but he scored on uh, two of three. So what is that? Seven of eight. And yeah. uh, with the UTEP game. So, you know, I, I think that'll be, but he's learning a new offense. So we'll see. But, but it's quarterback friendly offense and all right. The thing that struck me in the Alamo Bowl, not just that he was doing it, but it's not like he was just flinging it up and maybe it's deflected, got a catch, you know, I mean, some Disney-esque type movie where... Angel and Angel under center? Yes, exactly. Uh, You know, you know, Air Air Bud making another... (laughs) Yeah. uh, But he looked like he knew what he was doing. And, and, And this isn't a knock on Sam Ellinger, but the offense didn't look that crisp in the first half. There were right. some opportunities, you know, right. second half ball was going exactly where it had to go. And a few times it's a tight window. Right. And that's the thing that impressed me. those were big time throws he was making. Or, or am I drinking the Kool-Aid on, on Casey Thompson a little bit too much on that? Performance? No, I think the two throws that probably stood out the most were the one, you know, where he had pressure, he had to slide, he had to step up. He hit Cade Brewer on a 21 yard out route. Exactly. It was right outside of the defender's hands, only where Cade Brewer could catch it. And then the 70 yarder um, to, you know, Calvante Dixon, where he also got pressure, had to step up and throw quickly. And the ball was right on time and right 
in stride. So that, I think those two throws made everyone go, wow. Okay. He was under pressure. He stepped up and he put the ball right on the money. And, and so I think unless I just don't expect Casey to take a sideways step or a, you know, he's got a lead now. He, he deferred to Sam Ellinger. There was, so there was questions about how he would lead and also how card would lead. I mean, Ellinger was such a profound personality and, and leader. I mean, it was natural to him. He guys gravitated toward him. They wanted to play hard for him and he played hard for his teammates. Now these guys have to, create their own identity in that role. And, and so that's always a, a new thing. We've seen talented guys before Jeff George, you know, who couldn't mesh with their teammates. And I don't think that'll be a problem for Casey or card. And I think Sarkeesian is good in that area with, with coaching quarterbacks. And so um, obviously only having three quarterbacks on scholarship is, is a concern, but, that, as Sarkeesian said, that may be the norm, the new norm with the transfer portal. It's just going to be too hard to hold talented guys on the roster the way that Alabama did with Mac Jones coming in with Tua, you know, Tonga Vailoa, and then waiting his turn and ultimately making the most of it. But uh, more often than not, you're going to see the Joe Burrow situation where the guy leaves and, and looks to create that situation somewhere else. So, It'll be fun, Chuck. It'll it'll definitely be fun, and and uh, you know we'll be we'll be following it every step of the way. Well, what's your and before we you know I, I don't want to assume your host duties here, but what's what struck you about Sarkeesian? I mean, he does seem he does be trying to cultivate an image here. He actually seems to be a genuine guy, and I know that's a very low bar. You know what I mean? Right. Just be yourself. Right. Yes, be yourself. You know, not 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 try and conjure up some sort of uh, alter ego here. But 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 that has kind of struck me. But what I mean, you go back to the even before me, and I you know I don't want to date you here. You go back to John Makovic <laughs> for crying out loud. Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think you know. I think with Sarkeesian. He's been humbled. And I think the, the fact that he's worked his way back up and maintained his relationships, you know, but getting a guy like Jeff Banks to come to Texas was so big, not just because Banks is one of the best special teams coordinators in the country, but he's, he's a guy that people gravitate toward. You know, he was the linchpin for, for Pete Kwiatkowski and and also, um, you know, for Jeff Choate, um, Sarkeesian knew of those guys and had competed against those guys, but he didn't know them um, the way that the Banks did. And and so, and Banks also was the one who suggested Chris Gilbert from Lancaster as his um, high school player relations uh, director. And that's a brilliant move. You know, you get a, you get a well, well connected, you know, DFW um, high school coach who has 
you know, ties to South Oak Cliff and Lancaster, who's respected by all the high school coaches, kind of reminds me of um, when, um, you know, Matt Rule came in and and hired uh, Joey. Uh, Joey McGuire. Joe, yeah, Joey McGuire. And everyone was like, oh, wow, that was a really smart hire. And and I, I just think that Sarkeesian A's hire A's and B's hire C's. And I feel like Sarkeesian's hiring A's. And Mac Brown did that. He always hired the best people he could uh, around him, you know, whether it was Will Muschamp or Gene Chizik or, you know, you name it. And, and I think Sarkeesian's doing that. I thought Herman fell short in that area immediately, you know, when he had opportunity to hire some really, you know, big name guys with connections in Texas onto his staff who were big time recruiters. He stuck with the guys who were loyal to him. And that's a mistake that a lot of coaches hired into P5 programs for the first time make, and it usually gets them. But, um, you know, I think that, that stands out to me about Sarkeesian most right now is that he's, he's surrounded himself with really talented coaches and, and I, it feels like he's going to let them do their job. And I think that's the key. And, and then, um, you know, now we got to see it. Now we got to see how Pete Kwiatkowski's defense and Jeff Choate's defense handles Oklahoma and, and TCU for crying out loud, Chuck. Texas is two and seven. They have a worse record against TCU than, than Oklahoma the last nine years, you know? Uh, oh, exactly. I mean, it's, it's you, you shake your head. And uh, it, it's interesting. You referenced Tom Herman and the, and the assistants. And this is nothing against Todd Orlando, because I think Todd Orlando is a very good defense coordinator. But I was told this on a very good source, that um, Tom Herman fell loyalty to Todd Orlando but that if Todd Orlando had gotten the Houston job or had gotten someplace else, the next guy on Herman's list, and he felt very confident about being able to hire him, was Dave Aranda. Yeah. How does that change if Dave Aranda is a defensive coordinator at, at Texas for the Tom Herman era? Right. I mean, right. I mean that's uh, the, the other thing, and, and, I, and I hate to plug not my side, not your side, but there was a great article a couple of weeks ago by uh, by. John Wilner, who does a great job covering the Pac-12 for the San Jose Mercury News, um, about Sarkeesian, the staff he's assembled, and, and how there are a lot of people out there who are really afraid that Texas will come in and cherry-pick the entire Pac-12 region for top recruits with not only the connections that Sarkeesian has, in SoCal, but but with all the guys he has on staff, that that's almost you know it, it's it's a perfect way to augment what they plan on doing in Texas. And it wasn't just like a you know we've seen stuff that don't you know scratches the surface. This was a really good deep dive that people might want to check out. Just hit the Google machine on that. Yeah, get, and we're we're kind of seeing it already a little bit, you know, with yes. Malik Murphy and. And, and 
he's got his eyes on some other California kids. So, and, and that's where he's got deep connections there. So. I mean, and they quoted a high school coach saying that, Hey, there are no introductions needed. People still know him as Sark when he walks into a high school there. I mean, that's, that time at USC, you know, even though the head coaching stint didn't turn out well, but you think back to those glory years at USC that he was a part of on that staff. Yeah, that left an impression on people. And then what he did in Alabama. Yeah. 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 How about the first commitment at Texas going to a kid he called right before the beginning of the national championship game and said, you, you ready? You watching? And then gets, mm-hmm. the, com- gets the commitment from a receiver at halftime after, after Devonte Smith goes for 12 catches, 215 yards and three touchdowns. So. Yeah. And again, Texas, Texas needs that. When you look, I mean, I, I know Texas fans don't want to hear it, but Jimbo Fisher has it going in college station. Yep. You know, that, that wasn't a fluke here. He knows what he's doing. He's got the assembly line going. He's got the pipeline into Houston. He's got his contacts throughout the, the Southeast. Yeah, they're they're bringing in real players. And Lincoln Riley is bringing in real players. And Texas needs to match that. And they really haven't. You know, I know the recruiting rankings say that Texas and Texas did have some nice classes, but the develop, player development wasn't there. And I think that's going to change in the Sarkeesian. Yeah, I agree. Chuck, you're the man. Always fun talking to you. I could uh, continue this for uh, much longer, but I know you're you're getting ready to go cover some more uh, basketball here in Indianapolis. So um, big, big thanks, Chuck. Uh, Chuck Carlton of the Dallas Morning News, everyone. Uh, thanks, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. Really? And, and for Chuck Carlton, I am Chip Brown uh, of Horns 24-7. Of course, get over to Horns 24-7 for all your, your Longhorns needs. Uh, Until next time on the Flagship Podcast interview, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.